You know, today is actually a very, very special day, a day of giving thanks. I know uh, Pastor Dave really wanted to be here, um, but he was scheduled to preach at Chode English Ministry, and so uh, he loves this time as well. And the reason we give thanks is because God has been so good to us. Amen? Children, God loves you guys so much. He gave you life. He gave you your parents. And uh, it's, it's really time to give thanks to God for his goodness, but also uh, give thanks to God for the parents who have loved you guys and also for the teachers of Minis for your care and your shepherding and love for the children. I was actually very blessed because I spoke at Minis last Sunday and uh, it was so wonderful to see the kids actually listening during the sermon. <laughs> and then they were actually like, answering questions back. I'm like, you guys are better than the adults. Uh, and so we're so excited and so thankful to God uh, for his faithfulness over the children. And we want to be sure to bless them and uh, to remind them that God loves you and God's always going to be with you. So I'm going to invite them up one at a time and present them with a certificate. First up, Miss Harper Park. Please come forward. Stand, stand this way. Shake my hand. Okay, we can go over there. Second dot. Wonderful. All right, next we have Mr. Mason Kim. Come on, Mason. Yes. There you go. Please show everybody your, your, your tag, your certificate. There you go. Woo! Next we have Miss Evelyn Cho. your certificate. Congratulations. Please show everybody. And last but not least, Miss Emma Hayward. Show everybody your certificate. You can stand over there. All right. Wonderful. Let's one more time. Round of applause. Would you guys please extend your hands to the parents? The parents are in the second row, in the first row. Extend your hands to them and the children. And let's pray that the children would continue to grow in the likeness of Christ. That the parents would understand that their call, their responsibility is to disciple their children. And to raise them up in the way of the Lord that they would not stray, but they would believe in the Lord. And let's also lift up the teachers as they continue to serve and volunteer and give of themselves to raise up this precious generation. So let's, lay, let's just pray for them. Stretch your hands out to them. Thank you. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Today is a day of celebration. Lord, first and foremost, we celebrate you and we give thanks to you because you are the giver of every good and precious gift. And we thank you for these precious children that you've given to us. They're so beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for your hand upon each of them and their families. We pray that you would strengthen them, help them to come to know you personally and deeply, and their hearts would be given to you fully, Lord. Father, we pray for the parents as they continue to disciple and nurture, strengthen them. Give them all that they need so that they would be able to really be a blessing to the children. And, of course, the teachers. Strengthen them as well, Lord. Fill them continually with wisdom and patience and compassion as they care for your precious children. We thank you, Lord, and we celebrate you for your faithfulness over your children. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> all right. Great, great. Sometimes it feels like a whole service could just be looking at children, huh? How cute they are. <laughs> oh, 
Awesome. Amen. Well, great to see everybody today. Um, good afternoon. Oh, good morning. Oh, good afternoon, brothers and sisters in Christ. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Doug, and I'm one of the pastors, a privilege to, to serve here. Um, first and foremost, just want to say thank you for praying for the Morocco mission team. Uh, they all arrived back safely yesterday night, and we look forward to hearing uh, all the wonderful testimonies uh, of what God has done. And so today, as I begin the message, um, I just want you to take a moment and give you these questions, kind of to, to form a framework for today's passage. So think about uh, that thing that which is most precious to you. What is the most valuable thing? And it could be a person to you. Right? How much did it cost you to purchase it? Right? Or does it cost you to purchase it? How much have you invested into it? Or are you continually investing into it? Okay, so think of that thing which is most precious to you. Okay? Now, let me ask you, who would you entrust that thing to? Who would you entrust that person to? Who would you leave that thing or that person to as a legacy, as an inheritance? I think all of us would say, well, if it's really precious to me, really valuable to me, then I would leave it to someone that I actually entrust, that I know would be careful with them. But as you're thinking about this, imagine you hand it over to them or you pass it on to them with such trust, but they choose to neglect it. They mistreat it. They reject it, they ignore it, they don't care for it. How would that make you feel? What would that stir in your heart? Now, as you think about that, I ask you another question. What is the most precious and valuable thing to God the Father? What's the most precious thing to God the Father? Now, you would be right by saying it's his Son and the Holy Spirit, the three in one. But in addition to that, what is most valuable and precious to God? And the answer is? His people. We know from the memory verse that most of us have memorized if you've gone to church, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I mean, God so loved you that he came and he gave his life on the cross. Can you do, take, do this with me for a moment? Can you look at one another and say, Jesus died for you or Jesus gave his life for you? Let's say that to each other. Jesus gave his life for you. Jesus gave his life for you. Jesus gave his life for you. Now, would you give your life for that person on your right and left? Yeah, no, right? Yeah. Just be honest. The first service, it was loud. Someone was, you know, I could hear a, a wife going, no. <laughs> right? See, you wouldn't do it, but yet God did. Because you are that precious, that valuable, that much of a treasure to him. And who does God the Father entrust his people to? The right answer is, of course, is first and foremost his son. And his son has been the true shepherd that has cared for the sheep, given his life for the sheep. But then who does Jesus entrust his treasures to? The answer is you and me. To do what? To care for them, to pray for them, to love them, to teach them, to, go, to walk through life with them, in the midst of good times and of struggles? In a sense, we have received the legacy of discipleship. We are to treasure his treasures by helping them to mature and be followers of Christ. This is what he entrusts us to. And so you and I, if we are believers in Christ, we have all been given this tremendous privilege and legacy 
of discipleship. For the past two weeks, uh, we've been looking at what a disciple is. A disciple is a follow, someone who follows Jesus and takes up his or her own cross and surrender in obedience to Christ. Last week, Pastor Dave talked about what does a true disciple do. And a true disciple makes disciples. And today and next week, I kind of want to wrap it up together by talking about like why we're to do discipleship and the hows. Today we'll talk about the hows briefly, but next week we'll unpackage that more because I think and I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving many of us saying, yeah, I'm supposed to be a disciple, but what's my first step? What should I do? And we'll examine that a little bit today and more so next week. So would you take a moment and just pray with me, guys? Would you just take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit to really speak to you? Because we desperately need to hear God's voice. Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, our Lord Jesus, would you come and speak to us today? Thank you that you gave yourself for us because you love us. Thank you, Lord, that we, in this brief time together, we are again reminded that we are your treasures and the people around us are your treasures. God, would you give us your heart? Would you give us your compassion? Would you help us to see that, Lord, you have given us this tremendous legacy, an inheritance. Help us then, Lord God, to walk in obedience, to step out in faith. And, Lord, as we hear your words, your commands, may we respond in obedience. Speak to your sons and daughters today. And, Lord, anoint me so that I may simply give you glory and honor. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And we're going to be reading from the ESV, but I encourage you to memorize this verse. It's only three, three verses, right? But memorize it. And it goes like this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want to read that to us again. And please hear Jesus speaking to you. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. God's word to us today. Praise be to God. So let me just give you a background to where we are. Jesus has resurrected from the grave. The tomb is empty. He has proven and shown himself as victorious over sin and death. After his resurrection, we see from Scripture that for 40 days, he meets with his disciples on different occasions, and he's teaching them. As we come to Matthew 28, these are the final words that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And oftentimes, the last words are like the most important words in that sense. And what he's telling them here is known as the Great Commission. Can you guys say Great Commission? Great Commission. I want you to notice that it's not the Great Recommendation. It's not the great suggestion. It's not the great request. Oh, it would be nice if you would go disciple. Perhaps if you have time, you should disciple. Would you guys think about discipling? It's not that. Just like the great commandment, which we all know, right? What's the great commandment? 
To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. To love your neighbor as yourself. That's the great commandment. The great commission, which we read here, is the commandment of our Lord Jesus Christ to us. If you and I, if we do not obey these commandments, both of them, then what we are doing is we are not living a full life. In fact, what we're doing is we're missing the mark of a life of a follower of Christ. We're missing the mark. And it's not just about disobedience or sin. We're actually missing out on the joy and the pleasures of living out his call upon our life. And that's what I hope that we will see today. As Jesus gives them this great commission... It's not just for the 11 disciples, but henceforth, every disciple afterwards. And thankfully, the disciples obeyed, and they made disciples, and on and on. And that's why you and I are here today who are believers in Christ. Because somebody reached out to us. Somebody shared the gospel with us. Somebody showed us the way to Christ. And that's why you who are believers are here. Somebody was willing to obey the Great Commission. Now, what I want us to do is in the heart of this. Can you just take a moment to ask the Lord, Lord, remind me of the people who invested into my life. Remind me of the people who showed me about Christ or even invited me to church. Maybe it was a parent, maybe a sibling, maybe a Sunday school teacher like we saw today. Maybe it was a community group leader, maybe a pastor, maybe it was just a friend. Now, it may not have been strict discipleship, but they were willing to be an instrument of God to reach out to you, to invest into you. Can we just take about 30 seconds just to kind of close our eyes and think and just to say thank you, God, for that brother or that sister who was willing to invest into me, who was willing to show me, who was willing to speak to me and pray for me that I might know Christ. I remember when I was uh, in the youth group, um, Back when I was in my 15s and 16s. And you guys, some of you remember my testimony. You know, I was a gangster wannabe in the flushing days. And uh, I would, surprisingly, we had a youth pastor in the Korean church who was a Caucasian guy. Um, but he had such a heart for Koreans. And uh, his name was Brian Elliott. And I remember he was so, he's a very weird guy. But he invited me to come and be part of the praise team even though he knew I was a gangster wannabe. So I would go on Friday nights and, you know, during the youth group nights and I'll be in the praise team. But one Friday night I said, hey, Pastor, Pastor Brian, I can't make it tonight, uh, this Friday, because there's a Sweet 16 birthday party. He said, oh, what are you guys going to do? I was like, you know, um, have cake, pin the tail on donkey, play games, you know. But that was about what was going to happen. So he said, oh, okay, well, I'll miss you. Be careful. I said, thanks. So we go to this apartment complex in the Flushing and it's in the basement and the music is blasting. It's pitch black. People are smoking, drinking, you know, making out and stuff. And all of a sudden while we're there, People start going, oh, stop, stop, stop. you hear this kind of whispering, and then all of a sudden I hear, Pastor Brian's here. <laughs> so I see him, and I, I'm smoking my cigarette, I put, up my, put it on, like, and he comes up like, right over to me, he goes, oh, so this is the Sweet 16 party. I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, so did you uh, invite Jesus with you, Doug? And I was like, oh. He said, no, no, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. I know you did, because I see him in the corner over there, and he's crying. And I was like, I mean, he was like joking, but it just, it just always hit me like how much he understood the heart of Christ and his, the love that he had for people. So I'm very thankful for that. People who are willing to invest into you. This is inheritance that God's giving to us. Who are we investing into? Now, I want us to take a moment to think carefully over what Jesus says. He says all authority. Everyone say all. 
All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Now, when Jesus condescended himself to come and be with us, you can read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11, he emptied himself. He released and relinquished his eternal glory to be with us. But now, as a resurrected Lord and Savior, he is exalted and all his glory is returned to him as the eternal Son of God. And he wants to be sure that his disciples and us know that all authority in heaven, every heavenly spiritual realm, and all authority on earth, every natural physical realm, I have authority over it. I want you to know that. And of course, he backs it up because he is the resurrected Lord. And this is the thing. As he's saying this to them, notice that Jesus doesn't say, and I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on you. I'm going to give you some of my authority. He doesn't say that. He goes far greater. And he says to them, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What's better than having God's power on us? Having God with us. And you and I who have put our faith in Christ, God's promise is the Holy Spirit fills us and we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Every believer in Christ is filled with the Holy Spirit and the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a question of whether or not you allow him to reign in your life. Now here's the thing. They, the disciples, and we, we absolutely need it. We absolutely need his authority. Because what Jesus is asking them to do, commissioning them to do, it's an impossible task. Only only the divine can do this. Think about it. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Think about that. Does Jesus know who he's talking to? These are lowly fishermen. These are the rejects of society, the ex-tax collectors. These are the social weirdos, the social activists, the political activists. These are men who are unlearned. They have not traveled outside of the Galilee area. They have not been educated in the halls of the synagogue of Beth Shalom or the temple. Does Jesus know who they are? Do you remember who they are also? They are the ones who deny Jesus in his most desperate hour. They all denied and ran away. They know their own shortcomings. They know their own struggles, their own failures, their own fears. And Jesus, you're commissioning us to go and make disciples? But not only do they know themselves, they know their culture. Jesus, you're sending us to them? They hate you. They shouted out just a few weeks ago, crucify him. They are so saturated in their self-righteous, you know, secular culture and you want us to teach them all that you've commanded us? All that you have taught us? You want us to teach them all that? That's not going to be like a 30-minute message. That's going to be walking with them through seasons of life. They know who they are, just like you and I. We know our shortcomings. We know our failures. And we also know what kind of culture and society we live in. And we say, it's not possible. It feels impossible. But here's the thing. It matters not who we are or what the society is like. They have believed upon the resurrected Jesus Christ. They have walked with him. They have eaten with him. They have learned from him. And now they have been commissioned and they are choosing to obey it. Obey Jesus' commission that all authority is his and he is with us. 
And now they know that the impossible task of going to all nations and making them disciples, which means non-believers to believers and believers to mature disciples, is going to be accomplished. Why? Because of Jesus' authority in them. Amen. You can disciple the nations. Why? Not because of your greatness, but because of God's great authority in you and through you. We're going to need it. And I want to say this. I absolutely believe this because I have experienced this again and again firsthand. I've witnessed this. Uh, I just want to kind of segue into not just talking about theology or just like exegete. I want to kind of give you a little bit more of like practical, like this is what I've actually lived um, and been blessed to be a part of. So my family and I, we were called out to South Korea to pastor um, an English ministry called New Harvest Ministry. And it was part of a Korean church called Sarangyoe in Gangnam. You know, you guys know Gangnam, right? So, right? Uh, and I started uh, January 2016, and there were 650 people in three services, okay, total 650. Now, there, we had no formal advertising. All we had was one of those banners, like you see outside, the mosaic banners. We had just a banner outside that said New Harvest. Uh, we didn't have a YouTube page. If you wanted to find our website, you actually had to go to the Korean church site, and it was like in the far left corner, and you, or right corner. You click it, it says English, and that's how you would find our website. So needless to say, it wasn't our advertising, but it started to grow by word of mouth. God was moving the members, and by July 2016, so six months later, we had grown to 1,200 people. There were no seats left. People were standing on the walls. It was just crazy what God was doing. And here's the thing. As I got to meet people, because like, I would just, like, shake hands with people and t- talk to them, I started to really see and sense how precious they are to God. I could start to really feel like, and I feel like the same way towards you guys. Like, I could sense that God really loves you and he gave his life for you and he's stirring my heart to want to give my life for you guys. That's what I was feeling. And I felt like God was saying, Doug, I'm entrusting my most precious treasures to you, to this community. And I was so thankful and so encouraged, but at the same time, I was so heartbroken. My soul, my soul was like deeply grieved. And the reason was this, so many precious people, but we don't have the leaders to take care of them. So it was like sand was being poured onto our hand and it was just slipping through. And my heart just broke. I said, Lord, what do I do? And so what do you do when you don't know what to do? You? Pray. Yeah, thank you, I heard that. Pray. So I said, Lord, I have no idea what to do. You, you bring all these people. It's kind of like mosaic right now. God's bringing people. What do I do, Lord? I had no idea. But thankfully, that same summer, a few weeks later, I was commanded, because I was part of the church, to go to a conference at the Saran Conference Center. And, um, you know, was, everything was in Korean, so I didn't really understand. And the video comes on, uh, and the video is of the founding pastor of Saran named Pastor John Oak. And in the video, he's just sitting down, and he says this. He goes, I'm going to say it in Korean first, and I'll translate it. 여러분, 제자 훈련을 하시려면요, 미친 사람 같이 해야 됩니다. I'll translate in English. If you're going to disciple people, you have to be a maniac. And that just was like, huh? It just caught me, like, what? And he goes on to say, Jesus did not disciple half-heartedly. He gave his life discipling his disciples. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he did not leave clothes, money, or a house, or anything. All he left was disciples. 
And those disciples discipled and discipled and changed the world. Brothers and sisters, you and I are called to make disciples. And as I just began to sit in that like, teaching, it was just like soaking into me, right? I was hearing it, and then all of a sudden I'm hearing about their motto. The Sarang discipleship model is this. Motto is this. Discipleship or death. I was like, wow. I'm not saying we're going to adopt that, but that's what they were. And they were telling me stories of how people, they were in the hospital, and they had the IV, but they would check out, and they would bring their thing with them to the discipleship training meetings. They didn't want to miss the meetings. And then they would go back. People who were on business trips, they would fly back just for the night not to miss the discipleship training. That's how seriously they took it. And that kind of like mentality started to kind of saturate into my mind. And I was like, it was like a flash of light went on. Oh, this is what God wants us to do with the harvest. This is why God is bringing people to us. He's entrusting us not to just have a Sunday service, but to really disciple them, build them up that they would be mature followers of Christ. This is our glorious calling to make disciples who make disciples that the gospel of Jesus would reach all the nations. God's great legacy, great inheritance to us. You know, some of you are like, duh, that's what the Bible says. I know. I know. But even though I went through seminary and I've been to so many churches and I'm a pastor, that thought of discipleship was not firm in my mind. Do you know what I learned in seminary? You gotta have a nicer building. You gotta have nicer, comfy chairs so people could sit. You gotta have a bigger parking lot so people don't get frustrated, they can't find parking. You gotta have good children's ministry, good program. You gotta have lights and smog machine and laser light show as the praise goes on. You have to have a good sermon. Oh, and then you have a good church. Like, I really believe that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Please don't get me wrong. But that's what I had. I had 1,200 people, but so what? So what? And what happens is when the church misses the main thing, and that main thing is to care and disciple and shepherd you guys into maturity, that you would shepherd others, disciple others into maturity, we are actually missing God's glorious calling upon our life. So as soon as I got back, I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to make disciples. That's what I'm going to do. So I got 12 guys together, and I said, guys, will you commit with me for nine months to meet every single week for three hours? And we're going to read through the whole Bible in the nine months. It's not that much. It's like five to six chapters a day. And we're going to read supplemental reading, like four books. And we're going to write down a page for every you know, thing we're reading, and every single day we're reading the Bible, a page. Memorize scripture. We'll come together. We'll share. We'll pray. We'll you know, go over the material. And it was great. A lot of sharing, a lot of learning, and a lot of reading. I had to read 120 pages of paper, which is not the wise thing to do. But then I realized it's great that we had a good time of sharing and learning, but little discipleship was happening in the sense of immediately or afterwards. So what do you do when you feel like, oh, it didn't do well? Do you stop doing discipleship? No. You tweak it because it's in your heart now. So I tweaked it for the next round. Got a group of another 12 guys, and I also got 12 girls together. And so we did separately. And as we're doing it, I started to meditate and think about, like, how did Jesus disciple? Well, first and foremost, he established a personal quiet time with the Father every single day, early in the morning. So, guys, let's continue to establish this. Read the scriptures, memorized it, meditated upon it, and then act upon it in obedience. We have a Christian lifestyle, but also from the very beginning, let's begin to pray. God, you've commissioned us to go to nations. 
who are you highlighting around me? Who are you highlighting around me to just begin that initial conversation? And as we started to do that, I tell you the truth, I was shook. The modern day vernacular, I was shook. About four and a half months into the second discipleship group, one of the sisters came up to me and goes, Pastor Doug, um, and she just started as a first year college professor in Korea, right? And she goes, Pastor Doug, there was this one uh, student of mine who always stayed after class. And he would always ask me stuff and just, just talk to me. And then I realized as he was talking to me, the Bible has a lot of answers for him. But because we've been doing discipleship together, I've been thinking about it, I said, oh, this guy is the one that probably God's highlighting. So I asked him, hey, do you want to study the book of John with me? And he said, yes. So we started to, we came together, and then after the second meeting, he said, is it okay if I invite two of my friends? Because I'm really enjoying it. So she's like, yeah, sure. So he invited two friends, and she goes, Pastor Doug, I am doing Bible study with three of my students. And in other words, she's discipling them. And with tears in her eyes, she goes, I never imagined that God could use me to do this. I never imagined. But that's the great legacy that we're missing out on. Another one just recently, one of the DT sisters came up to me and says, Pastor Doug, I've been going to church pretty much all my life. I've been a good church attendee, but I've never had a consistent time of just studying God's word. And it's so alive to me now. And she goes, God's been putting on my heart this lady, uh, a, a, a mother of a, of a daughter, you know, a school mom, school mom. And she's Indian, and she's actually Hindu. But she, we keep talking, and we're kind of building friendship. And I asked her if she wants to study the Bible with me, and she said yes. And she comes, and she's always hungry. She has all these questions. She reads the scriptures so faithfully, even though she's a Hindu. And again, with tears in her eyes, she goes, I never could have imagined that God would use me to disciple somebody else. This brother who actually moved out of Korea to Atlanta, Georgia, he's a real estate agent. And he texts me and he, I see his post. So he goes, Pastor Doug, God allowed me to go into real estate as an avenue so that I could start to reach out to people and share the gospel. I go, what, why? What's happening, Tim? He goes, so I, I'm the real estate agent. I show them houses. And as I do, I just try to love them. I try to encourage them. I, I even tell them I'm praying for you. And then they start to ask, like, what do you mean you're praying for me? And he starts to say, oh, this is, I'm a Christian. And, and then they start saying, hey, I want to learn more about Jesus. And now, Pastor Doug, I'm discipling my clients, and I'm finding them homes too. <laughs> I, I, I want to tell you as honestly as I can, there is, for me, great joy when I preach. There's, for me, great joy when their Sunday ser- service goes really well. But it doesn't even come close to when I see my brothers and sisters, when I see disciples discipling others, and they see the joy of that. It doesn't even come close. These brothers and sisters, they, they are so encouraged, so excited because they realize now as they're seeing lives changed, God is real and God is working in me and through me. Isn't that what your heart longs for? Isn't that what you feel like you're missing as a follower of Christ? This is your heritage. This is your inheritance, that legacy that God, Jesus Christ, has given to you. And I'm thankful that when I was in New Harvest, we, when I first started there, we only had six community group leaders for 1,200, 650 people. Six. But by the time you know, all of this discipleship started happening, we had over 120 small group leaders. And I just give thanks to God for that because of discipleship. As I close, let me ask you guys a question. Does God want Mosaic to be a church where people just come, worship, and go? Is that what God wants? 
of this community? Where if they're ever to leave Mosaic or they're to move away from New Jersey, do we want them to put on a Google review? Oh, five stars, good sermon, great service, good music, great people, nice building, good air conditioning, good children's program. I had a lot of fun, but I'm still just a Sunday worshiper. Absolutely not. I don't think that's what God wants. I, I, I believe what God wants and what I'm thankful for Pastor Dave and the pastoral staff and the elders. What we want is to make disciples who make disciples wherever God sends them. And I think this is going to be our great joy that whenever you leave Mosaic, wherever God may call you, that we can actually stand with Jesus and commission you and say to you, go and continue to make disciples of all nations. For surely God is with you always. That's why as a church, we're so committed to community groups because we believe discipleship happens there, that organic spending time and talking about Christ and building each other up. That's why starting the fall, uh, end of September and beginning of October, we're going to start launching our discipleship training groups where it is specifically for those who say, I not only want to grow as a Christian, I want to know how to disciple others. Discipleship training is going to start as well. And then also in the mid-fall, we're starting up our Unshakable Foundations class for new believers or seekers who just want to strengthen their foundation in Christ, all because we want our brothers and sisters, you guys, to grow into maturity and be disciples who disciple others. As I close, I want to say this. Jesus has given each of us who are his followers a most precious legacy. I'm not going to say discipleship is a legacy. People are his legacy. And what he's called us to do is to disciple them, to make disciples of his precious people. This is the Great Commission. And it's so essential that you and I, that we understand and accept his commission, but also with full assurance that he is with us always. Because I tell you, discipleship is difficult. It cost Jesus his life. It's challenging. It's scary. It's fearful at times. It tests your patience. It's a sacrifice. But God's word tells us, don't be afraid. Be very courageous. For why? For he has all authority. And surely he will be with you always to the very end of the age. Amen? Next week, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll unpackage this a little bit more about some practical steps that we could start doing. But I think one of the things we can do start right now is start to just pray. And first and foremost, say, if you're a follower of Christ, say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for commissioning me, for entrusting me with people around me. Your coworkers, your siblings, your friends, they are precious to God, and he has entrusted them to you. What will you do? What will be your legacy with them? Just take a moment to thank God for that. And then secondly... Begin to ask the Lord in prayer, Lord, would you just highlight, make me aware of the people around me that, Lord, you want me to reach out to, that you're tugging on my heart, and I will obey. You know, it could be a simple thing as just saying, hey, you want to grab coffee? And as you ask them for coffee, you are intentionally thinking of, like, how can I help them to know Christ? How can I show the love of God to them? How can I pray for you? And then the conversation just begins to open the floodgates of their heart's desire for Christ. So would you just take a moment to also pray that? Lord, show me somebody, and I will obey. Grant me these divine opportunities, these divine appointments. And as you do that, the Lord will start to open doors. And I just pray that you will step through it in faith. I'm just going to invite the praise team to come on up as we just get ready to worship as well. Just go ahead and pray in response.